Many of you know that many denominations use a worship planning device called the Revised Common Lectionary, which provides scriptures and worship themes for each Sunday and Holy Day of the year. Many Baptists, myself included, shied away from using the lectionary because it seemed to limit the freedom the pastor had in discerning from the Lord what should be addressed each week. In recent years, however, I have revised my opinion and have been astounded at how often the passages of Scripture from the Revised Common Lectionary coincide with needs of the local church. But there are other times when in looking at the Scriptures from the Revised Common Lectionary, my thoughts were, oh Lord, what am I going to do with this? And when I read the verses from Jeremiah that we read earlier, that was my first thought. Oh Lord, what do I say about this? Kristen was right. It's scary. But I have come to realize that one of the benefits of the lectionary is that it forces preachers to refer to scriptures they would never choose to preach from. And in doing so, I have discovered that in digging deeper into Holy Writ, I'm never disappointed. There is always a message there somewhere. It happened one night when I was stationed at El Toro Marine Base in Santa Ana, California, that we were visited by a fierce Santa Ana wind that blew in from the desert and penetrated every crack and crevice of that old wooden barracks. The winds blew in overnight, and when we awoke in the morning, Everything, floors, blankets, footlockers, faces, everything was covered with a fine layer of sand, so fine that it appeared to be dust. I had never before and have not since seen anything like it. I couldn't imagine that wind could do such a thing. Such winds were not uncommon in the Middle East. The topography with desert areas surrounding the populated areas mean that this kind of thing happened, not, shall we say, frequently, but occasionally. And when they did, these winds were fierce and destructive. For the past two weeks, we have heard the words of the reluctant prophet Jeremiah proclaiming a message he did not want to deliver. Many of the people had become lackadaisical in their practice of worship, 
and indifferent to their faithfulness. To them, God was out there somewhere, but he had no real significance to them. He made no real difference in how they lived or in the decisions they made. Others had forsaken worship of God altogether, choosing instead to be influenced by those who advocated worshiping false gods or no gods as idols. Jeremiah uses the image of the destructive wind from which nothing escapes to make his point to people who have grown indifferent to God's demand for and even his plea for faithfulness. They have observed, as it were, ominous, swirling black clouds on the horizon, unsettling signs that a storm was brewing to the north in the form of Babylon's military might. Jeremiah proclaimed persistently that unless the people came to their senses and rejected the idols they had erected and worshipped and returned to the true God who had created them and called them to be his people, God's judgment would fall and they would be devastated by Babylon. They failed, however, to take Jeremiah's message seriously and they continued to live as though no threat existed. But as I've said, Jeremiah is persistent. He proclaims yet again in an attempt to reach them. This time, Jeremiah calls upon his poetic powers to try once more to communicate the judgment the people are bringing upon themselves. In Hebrew, the language Jeremiah spoke, it is apparent that the verses we read a few moments ago are a great poem. And it is equally apparent that this poem harkens back to an earlier poem, the creation account in Genesis 1. And just in case you don't have that creation account committed to memory, let me remind you of what happened in those successive days. You are aware, of course, that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit. The Hebrew word is ruach, means breath or wind or spirit. It's translated all of those. The breath or the wind or spirit of God moved upon the surface of the waters. And God said, let there be light. That was the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters above the earth and below the the earth. And God called the vault sky. That was the second day. 
And God said, let the land produce vegetation the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures. Let the birds fly above the earth and across the vault of the sky the fifth day. Then God said, let us make man in our image, or mankind in our image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. In Jeremiah's poetic message, the creator God is now decreating. He is striking the undo command. As God spoke all creation into existence in Genesis 1, now in Jeremiah's poem, God is with his spoken word erasing it all, causing it to be undone. The breath of God moves upon the earth like a great desert wind before which nothing can stand and no living creature can survive. Jeremiah tells us what he sees. I looked at the earth, and it was formless and empty. The word in Hebrew translated formless and empty appears only here and in Genesis 1 which is one of the reasons we know that Jeremiah intended for his poem to be referenced to the first poem in Genesis chapter 1. The earth was formless and, and empty, and the heavens, I looked at the heavens and the light was gone. I looked at the mountains and they were quaking, at the hills and they were swaying. The earth was disintegrating. The majestic mountains trembled before the Lord's might. The hills swooned in His presence. The earth was returning to its state before creation began, formless and empty. And Jeremiah also tells us what he does not see. I looked and there were no people. Every bird in the sky had flown away. I looked at the fruitful land, and it was a desert. All its towns lay in ruins before the Lord, before His fierce anger. Jeremiah sees no people, no fowls of the air, no vegetation. All lay in ruins after the militant, searing breath of God had blown across the firmament. Whew! That's quite a picture, isn't it? So how do we understand and interpret this passage of Scripture for us today? May I suggest with care. Walter Brueggemann a universally, uh, universally respected Old Testament scholar calls this a dangerous poem, and rightly so. Taken without other scripture affirming God's care, as 
Kristen reminded us of the lost coin and the lost sheep and the lost son. Without those other passages of Scripture to balance what Jeremiah presents, we would see a God whose judgments are so severe, whose anger is of quantum proportions. We human beings are subject to being obliterated if we ignore Him. I grew up in a church, like many of you, I suspect, with wonderful people and a great pastor, but despite his wonderful attributes, the predominant image of God from the pulpit in those days was somewhat akin to the God of Jeremiah's poem, fierce in anger, a God akin to Jonathan Edwards' famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Before such a God, we are paralyzed, and I dare say, such a God doesn't do much to cause me to want to enter His presence. So there is a danger that we will see only this side of God, but there is also a danger in reading this poem that we will see this only as some kind of theological hyperbole, a poem easily dismissed because God's fierce responses are so overstated. Such a view simply invites people to engage in self-reflection. Surely, Jeremiah intends much more than that. One biblical commentator attempted to make this poem all about taking greater care of the earth and nature. And while I agree that caring for the earth is vital, that's not what Jeremiah's message here is all about. The prophet is at wit's end. We know this from the verses between the verses we read. In the verses we skipped, in verse 19, hear what the prophet says about himself. Oh, my anguish, my anguish. I writhe in pain. Oh, the agony of my heart. My heart pounds within me. I cannot keep silent, for I have heard the sound of the trumpet. I have heard the battle cry. Jeremiah is attempting to call the people back to true faith, back to authentic worship of their loving God. But to do this, he must get the people to understand that God is God. He's not some cosmic good-time Charlie who is ambivalent about his people and indifferent to their obedience. He is the Creator who called them into being and into covenant with Himself. 
He is almighty and omnipotent, all-powerful. He calls upon the people to remember who God is, to humble themselves before Him, and to repent of their idolatry. Jeremiah's message here is consistent with what we have seen in the previous two weeks. Judgment is about to fall in the form of the military onslaught of the Babylonians. But God is behind this. He is the backdrop to history. In the last lines of Jeremiah's poetic message today, he hears God saying to the people, I will preserve a remnant. I won't destroy things completely. Even in his fierce judgment, Jeremiah sees God's care for his people whom he created in his own image. If Jeremiah presents a superabundance of God's anger, it is because all else has failed to get their attention. Time is running out, and the broken-hearted prophet is pulling out all the stops. But Jeremiah's poem must find a just theological balance between God's righteous anger and His unconditional love. I know that any attempt to encompass God's nature with an illustration is destined to fall short. But allow me to try to place this thought into a, a practical setting. When I was a child, my dad was larger than life to me. I saw him as a, a, a kind of a, a superman who could do anything. Maturity, of course, brought a more realistic perspective. But particularly in my early years, I was awed by him. Like many of you, I grew up at a time when spare the rod and spoil the child, this biblical injunction, was taken seriously by parents. And I remember an occasion when Dad's judgment fell in the form of a hickory switch. For some reason, God saw fit to put three hickory trees out beside our house. <laughs> but although blatant, willful, rebellious disobedience was not acceptable, it is not my dad's correction that predominates my memories. It was a loving relationship that characterized us. Loving memories linger through all of these years. Memories like racing barefooted through the snow to the mailbox and back. Or remembering the delight he took when I caught a bigger fish than he did. 
I learned to trust my dad. As an eight-year-old, I decided to climb the mulberry tree, which grew down by the gravel road. It was probably 20 feet high, and I climbed as high as I could, which probably wasn't over about 12 feet, but climbing as high as I could, I then discovered I couldn't get down. Finally, someone heard my cries for help and summoned Dad, who at the foot of the tree first tried to coax me down and then coach me down. And when all else failed, finally he said, this is what we'll do. You jump, I'll catch you. I did, and he did. Did I fear my father? No. I I feared what he could do if he chose to, but because I knew he loved me, I knew he would never choose to hurt me, correct me on occasion, yes, but his intent was never to hurt me. He was daddy. And while I knew correction would certainly come if I ignored the boundaries he set and willfully disobeyed, disobeyed, it was his love that held me secure. And this would be Jeremiah's message to us today. Remember that God is God. Be in awe of what God could do if he chose. He could decreate everything he created. He could wipe us into oblivion. But he loves us. Even when we stray, he calls us back to his heart. And although I grew up with an image of God high and lifted up, fierce in his anger, through the years I consciously have have revised that notion of God, and now I can in my mind enter the presence of God, not with fear and trembling, but crawl upon his lap and feel his arms surround me. Jeremiah preaches, remember who you're dealing with. Remember who God is in all of his nature. He is high and lifted up, mighty, almighty, and omnipotent, but he is all-loving as well.